0: I am Katie Rich, and I'm here for what is usually an interview episode, but is not this week because we are going to bring our the final installment of our August book club and give it its own episode to discuss White Noise, the Don DeLillo book that I think is the only one in the series that we've covered this month that has been declared to be unadaptable. Though I haven't been able to figure out who has claimed that, um, we can talk about why you might say such a thing. Um, and joining me is Rebecca Ford. Hi, and Hillary Busis. Hello. When we switched from covering *Killers of the Flower Moon*, which had been in the lineup for our fourth book, um, to this because *Killers* is delayed till next year, I felt kind of intimidated by it. And Hillary, you're like, yeah, "I've read it before. I'll read it again. It's no big deal." Um, uh, why were you so willing to jump back into this? Not like it's not like a challenging, like Dostoevsky novel, but it's not like an easy read. Um, but Hillary, you seemed really ready to tackle it.
1: Well, it's like funnier and easier, I would say, to read than a lot of. Very literary national book award sort of books. I will say that I have not read other Don DeLillo books. Um, I think that this is probably among his more accessible ones, uh, if not the most accessible. And yeah, yeah I, haven't having, I haven't either. So <laughs> yeah, having having some familiarity with it from the college class uh, that I had to read it for. Uh, mumble mumble years ago was uh, sort of (laughs) nice. Although I I will tell you, um, when I picked up my copy again, I found that my highlights conspicuously stop partway through the (laughs) books. It is very possible I never finished it. (laughs) What was the name of the class that you read it for? It was for American Family Fictions taught by Maura Spiegel, a great lady. This seems like exactly
0: the book you would read for a class like that. Um, Rebecca, did you have any history with this book before we picked it up for this podcast?
2: No, I had not read it. I I had always wanted to. We literally had a copy of it on our bookshelf in my house because it's one of those books where I'm like, I'm going to read this eventually. Um, <laughs> so I was I was glad I had a reason to really sit down with it and read it after all this time.
0: Um, I brought up the unadaptable thing in the beginning because, I mean, if you look at the Wikipedia page, you see that uh, in 2004, Barry Sonnenfeld uh, was trying to adapt it. So it has been a long journey. But I also had not read it before, and I think I had imagined something that was, like, spanning centuries and really, like, abstract. And there's, there's plenty of abstract thought in this book, but it's a pretty... Simple story. Like, it's about a family, it's about a college professor. He's a professor of Hitler studies, which we can talk about, like, why that's part of the story. Um, and there's an airborne toxic event that kind of changes their lives. But even, like, on Wikipedia, which I have open, it says a cataclysmic train accident tears their lives asunder, which is not really what happens. Like, it's about living in a time of apocalypse and can- going about your business, which I think is something that. Uh, we're very familiar with in, in our actual lives. Um, do you guys get the unadaptable idea more than I do maybe of why this would be such a challenge to bring to the screen?
1: I mean, I think so. It's, it's more of a, of a vibe as mm. the kids say, <laughs> than there's not a ton of, there's not really any plot. I mean, the, the event happens as you mentioned um, and it changes things, but it also doesn't. Um, the like plottiest strand of the book is Jack and Babette's marriage Um her addiction to the anti-fear of death drug Dilar and then his obsession with the doctor slash scientist who created the drug and who she like slept with in order to get it. But even even that doesn't really feel like, you know, enough for uh, I guess I guess we should just be grateful that it's not an eight part Netflix series.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can definitely (laughs) imagine that. Which is the sort of thing
2: that would (laughs) that would exist in the streaming age. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the unadaptable part is the first third of the book because it's just this main character explaining his life and his marriage and his perspective. But it's so internal that I just feel like how would we watch that? So I do wonder if they just trim that down and start with the airborne toxic event to sort of kick off the story because yeah, this the last two thirds have much more plot. <laughs> if yeah,
1: yeah. Call it that. The
2: first third is the first third. I would say though is like
1: the most purely enjoyable part of the mm-hmm. book, or at least I, I felt that way just because, you know, reading about the family dynamics, this crazy giant blended family, and it's so deadpan. It's really, really funny. The idea of a of a, of a professor of Hitler studies, like, just, like, makes me laugh because it's so, I don't know, <laughs> I I shouldn't disparage academia. Um, <laughs> but, but academia is very ridiculous. And A very, like, rarefied world that deserves the knocks that it gets, I think. Um, And this book is really, really good at pointing out the absurdities of that world in a way that, yeah, I don't think would translate to film, but it's very fun to read.
0: Yeah, I really can't wrap my head around, like, what you do with someone being a professor of Hitler studies in a movie in 2022. Because movies just make things so literal. And I think the, like... We are supposed to understand that he is a professor, professor of Hitler studies, but it's called College on the Hill. Like it's a very like abstract metaphorical kind of college. And there's that really funny sequence where his like his friend is trying to teach a class on Elvis and they go back and forth about the parallels between Hitler and Elvis, which is funny in the year that Elvis came out. But I don't, I don't know, like, are people going to get mad when they realize that there's Hitler in this movie? Or are they going to just like downplay it as much as possible? When do people not get mad, Katie, (laughs) about a movie? (laughs) If Noah Baumbach went about wondering about that, he'd never make a movie.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like the bigger danger with all the satirical elements of the book is just, I, I think that white noise was so influential and you can really feel it, especially in contemporary fiction, when you look at everybody from like Jonathan Franzen to like Otessa Mosfey and like. I don't know, so many of the highbrow books that have come out in the 30 plus years, 35 years since it was published, um, that 38, I I can't do math. But um, (laughs) I I wonder if like an adaptation is going to necessarily feel like kind of dated or inessential just because so many of the points that Don DeLillo makes in this book have been like taken in and ran with over the past almost four decades um, Mm -hmm. by so many other people that it's just going to kind of feel like too late, which I don't know. That's, that's sort of how I felt about like the Dune adaptation, which apparently I am kind of alone in that everybody else loves that movie, (laughs) but I don't know. Watching Dune, I was like, okay, yeah, I know all of these tropes. Like I'm, I, Frank Herbert invented them. Like you, you give him credit for that. But Star Wars has been around for 50 years at this point, like, do we need a Dune movie? And I don't know. I sort of of wonder if, like, there are so many contemporary satires, like, in the vein of white noise at this point that a movie is just going to kind of feel like it's imitating the book's own imitations or something.
0: I think when I picked up this book, I was worried that it was going to be kind of the, like, American beauty version of that, where it's like, oh, well, we have everything, but we cannot be happy and what what to do of it. And the book is (laughs) is more clever than that. Like, it's about, like, television and advertising and grocery stores and all these things that are kind of deadening your soul. But it's not, like, it's not so, like, kill your television about it. You know, it kind of, like it's warm like this guy likes living in this house with all these kids like watching tv and believing weird things it, it it feels more balanced than that and i think a movie capturing that version of it of being like well there's probably probably chemicals in our water but like we got to live anyway that that would feel almost fresh at this
1: point compared to some of those uh knockoffs you're talking about not knockoffs, yeah that but. it's that it's considered a black comedy i think is a good start <laughs> like that it's going to i think the movie is going to try to be funny like intentionally I, I that gives me some hope
2: yeah it's also so interesting to think about this coming out as a film post pandemic because you know when this event happens there are there are little parts of the book where i'm like oh yeah those first few hours where you're like is this when covid-19 first became a thing and we're like that's not going to spread over here like that's not going to come and and you see that in the book and so i am curious in the film how much that sort of parallels our own experience, what we went through the last couple of years. And making this movie after COVID-19 probably feels very different than if they had made it before, as many people had tried to do, it sounds like.
1: Well, yeah, and even the experience of, like, there's this giant cataclysmic thing that changes everybody's lives, but then did it really change anything at all? Mm -hmm. Like, that feels very, very true to COVID.
0: Yeah, and I I wonder how much I want it to link to that, to be a COVID movie properly, like, or how much... It should, like, let us read into it, because I don't think you have to do very much for people to watch a movie now and be like, oh, boy, that's now. But, like, movies are forever, so does it doesn't need to be more directed in that direction. I I'm, i don't know what the ideal balance for that would be.
2: It's also Baumbach's first adaptation of a book, so I am yeah. curious how he does with that. You know, obviously, I think he has a very unique voice and is really amazing when it comes to capturing especially relationships between husband and wife and that sort of conflict. So it does feel like a great fit for him. But I am curious to see him sort of adapt something and then for it to be such an iconic novel, I think will be really interesting. Oh, yeah. And speaking of uh, the adaptation angle,
1: um, have you guys read Emma Klein's uh, New Yorker story called White Noise? No. So it's, it's really great. I highly recommend it. It came out, I think, in the magazine last year but it's a fictionalized account of like Harvey Weinstein's last days before he goes before he gets convicted um and it follows him like at this like isolated compound in Connecticut um and he meets his neighbor and he thinks his neighbor is Don DeLillo he like confuses him for Don DeLillo and then decides that he is going to like get back into Hollywood's good graces by adapting White Noise because it's an unadaptable book and like he'll get a lot of credit for like managing this feat it's <laughs> I, I don't know it's it's really funny and like feels feels like of a piece with the book too like in the in the absurdities that it's like plumbing into so yeah recommend that I would see an adaptation of that as well. <laughs>
0: it's gonna be the sequel to White Noise that uh, no one is sure that they wanted. White Noise and she said it's like how weird to have that coming out. <laughs> Don't forget Women Both Talking. The, yeah, this is yeah. our book club. I guess Bones and All is the one outlier in our um, in our
1: book club month. Um, oh man, I and reading to... wait reading White Noise. Sorry to interrupt you, but also uh, the the simulated evacuation stuff. I was like, this is the rehearsal. Like this book ah, is just yeah. like there's so much of it in, in everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, so much of this book is people being like, well, is this really the thing that you'd think it is? Or is this something else? Or like, kind of later in the book, when the relationship between Jack and Babette is, you know, coming apart, she's like, what is night? What is water? Like, and again, it it sounds so like, big and philosophical, but it's funny the way that it's presented. And thinking about adam driver and greta gerwig i mean we can talk more about them like i feel like they can pull that off like that dynamic between them is where all the like big questions about what does death mean becomes more real and feels more like real people speaking
1: to each other which is what a movie has to be yeah the dialogue is so stylized that i would i don't know i i feel like it probably doesn't translate directly to a script
2: (laughs) Um, although i don't know if anybody can make it work maybe it is these people yeah. I really feel like Adam Driver could make this dialogue. I mean, and Greta too. I, just, yeah, I think they're going to make it work. I feel like we're going to recognize lines pulled directly from the book, and it's going to work. I have a lot of faith in them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a copy from the library, so I didn't get to highlight the way that Hillary did in college. But there was like, someone else has done it. Like I'm looking through it right now. There's just so many like lines that you read. It's not like profound like there's some like there's some parts of this that I think are kind of sentimental in some ways like talking about kids and talking about like you know lives that you build for yourself
1: but the language is really good. That the one innocent kid is named Wilder like that's a little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See I didn't even think about that that's why I needed to go back to academia Hillary Um, but yeah the turns of phrase in there like you could do a voice of narration from Adam Driver but like I I think a big question I have about the adaptation is like as a character, like for, for a guy who the character is a like white guy college professor who has everything but like is afraid of death, like that can get real intolerable real fast. And the book pulls that off. But I wonder if you need less of that voice in a movie for it to work as effectively.
2: I also just realized that Don Cheadle is playing Murray, the professor, which I did not know while I was reading the book. And I think that's actually exciting because I think he also is really good at acting with tone when it's something satirical and mm-hmm. you know i honestly when reading this sort of pictured all the characters being white and so that's more exciting to i'm me. pretty uh, yeah, i feel like murray Siskind is probably meant to be yeah, a yeah. White <laughs> guy yep. in
1: the original but we'll we'll allow it <laughs> we'll allow it you know well there's also roles diversity. for
0: andre benjamin aka okay, andre 3000 and jody turner smith which are not specified on the wikipedia page and i like i maybe andre 3000 or andre benjamin is like the the guy at the pharmaceutical company? I don't know. There's not that many characters in the book who aren't like the main characters and childrens. So I don't even yeah, know who they're like going to play. Jody
1: Jody Turner Smith is maybe a Winnie the oh the other professor. I mean that's a that's a guess. I, I have no idea. But yeah,
0: like other significant female characters are just kind of few and far between. I mean maybe there's different stuff. Like I don't know how much you mess with something like White Noise and change and add characters,
1: but who knows? I think it probably makes sense too if you're trying to make it. Makes sense as a movie. (laughs) You think, like, can you imagine,
0: like, putting more plot in in some way or, like, having the, like, engine of the story move a little
1: bit more clearly? I think that that's probably what it was at one point in its, like, adaptive life. But Noah Baumbach seems like the kind of director and writer who could, like, figure out a way to keep it kind of episodic and Mm -hmm. less, like, narratively, like, I mean, focused, but not plot driven. Like, uh, it it feels like a good marriage of adapter to material. A marriage story, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know how that turned out. So maybe not.
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking about a marriage story because it's also not plotty, really. I mean, I guess it's like they break up and then they stay broken up. Um uh, but it's like the Meyerwitz story is new and selected in parentheses which is just an incredible <laughs> flourish um and it's also not super plotty like it's just about a family I, so i i feel like he as a chronicler of family dynamics that's kind of like that is his plot and so that makes him perfect for this
1: yeah and adam driver is is a well cast jack even if he and greta gerwig are maybe too young for these roles um also because the book just keeps on telling us how big Jack is.
2: Yeah. Like how large.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the character of Babette, I think, for so much of it, she's like the cheerful, forgetful one. Um, And I think layers of her character are revealed as the book goes on, but it's not really about her. Again, it's a a story narrated by Jack, but I I could imagine Greta Gerwig in that role really easily. And I can also imagine her bringing more to it than what's in the book, even if it's not like actual new plot.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping they gave her A little more or she brought a little bit more to that character which i think she will and obviously being partners with noah i'm sure they collaborate very closely so and greta is also a writer herself so i feel like we can expect uh that to be a well-rounded character
1: yeah i'm i am curious about the kids too because i feel like there's an easy way for them to be precocious or like like irritating in the way of like movie kids um but And I don't, I don't know. I'm curious about Heinrich. I want to see how he how he man. translates. didn't you get the sick of
0: Heinrich? Like, I feel for him, but man, I got sick of that kid fast.
1: <laughs> but I really believe that that kid is a real person. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way, maybe that not every character in this, like, very, like, hyper-real world is. Like, his argument with his dad about whether or not it's raining, like, I, like, it's the sort of thing that I can very much see, like, a smart-ass 14-year-old actually doing.
0: Yeah, all three of us have children, so we just, like, read this being like, oh, God, no. (laughs) What is is coming for us? (laughs) But that was one of the lovely parts that I was thinking about, too, where they're at the evacuation shelter and Heinrich winds up, like, talking to a huge group of people, like, telling them what's going on. And Jack, his dad, is like, I can't let him know that I'm here or otherwise it'll, like, break the spell. Like, I have to, like, let him grow without me. And, like, like I said, like, it's not sentimental, but it's just very, like, nice way to think about your relationship with your kids that isn't apocalyptic or dystopian or anything like that. And I feel like that element is really important to making the book feel compelling all the way through.
1: Yeah. And Don DeLillo doesn't have kids, which I was surprised to learn.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he writes them well. He does. <laughs> I know. Should we get a spoiler
0: and talk about how it ends and whether a movie can possibly end that way because it ends with like a very dramatic like spurned husband goes to murder the man her his wife was sleeping with and it kind of fails and then he just goes back to his normal life like that does kind of feel like something that would happen in a Noah back movie though so maybe it stays that way
1: yeah that he is like such a such like a failure even at <laughs> even at murder <laughs> premeditated carefully planned murder
2: yeah yeah, it feels like the. T- I I think they're gonna stay pretty loyal to the ending. I also, I mean, with adapting a book like this, that's the challenge, right? Is you can't piss off fans of the book by changing it too much. So. Well, it
1: doesn't seem like there's gonna be like a restore the DeLillo verse hashtag. I, you don't you don't <laughs>
2: think people are gonna come out with their picket signs of the ending of this movie is <laughs> changed. Yeah, I don't know. Before Fight Club, maybe White
1: Noise was the, the book that got people to be fans for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a nice thing about, like, making a literary, like, a literary movie rather than something like Mass Market. It has a lot of admirers and a lot of fans, but hopefully not the kind who are on Twitter. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're all at uh, colleges, uh, talking in uh, the cafeteria about what is it? All those professors are talk- they, they? They throw out all these hypothetical situations, like over
1: lunch, and it goes on forever. And you kind of the problem is that they're all adjuncts, so they don't have enough time to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, To get meta for a minute, like as we talk about this, White Noise is one of the few fall movies that, like, we really don't know that much about. Like, Rebecca, you might know someone who's seen it. I have not talked to anyone who's seen it. Like, we've been getting glimpses of a lot of stuff ahead of Venice, but this one has been super under wraps, which I'm taking as a vote of confidence, but it could really go either way. Like, it's such a a mystery, right?
2: It feels like that's the overall strategy with Netflix this year. And and I do think think it's a smart one. I mean, we saw every year we see some films peak or burn out early um, with a lot of overexposure. And they are keeping this one close to the vest. But I think because they're aware it's it's hitting Venice, it's opening New York, like it's going to be everywhere very, very soon. So yeah, I don't know anyone who's seen it either, which is very unusual for this time of year. But I think it's probably a smart strategy if they're really confident in it.
0: Yeah, it's the same deal with Bardo, their other big mm-hmm. movie that's going to Venice, the R2 movie. So, um, yeah, you're right that I guess they recognize like a year after Power of the Dog that if you're going to go early, you got to like tread really, really carefully.
1: And is there only the one image from it so far even out there? I didn't even know that existed. Like I Googled right before this and I found the shot of Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig's crimped hair and I was delighted. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's it. She's really, she's really like giving Carol Kane in this
0: picture. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Carol, if they had made this movie in the eighties, Carol Kane could have made a really good. Oh, she, would have,
1: she would have been amazing. <laughs>
0: now that you bring that up, I'm not going to be able. Maybe that's, maybe that's what she's doing. She might be doing the voice and everything. It's a real. We can swing. only hope. I know. Adam Driver does look convincingly like middle aged and rumpled, which I did not think he would be able to do in that still. So
2: it does think look like they promising. gave him like a professor belly. I'm curious yeah, if there's a that's true that fat shirt's really there. hanging.
0: Also, I'm guessing this is a period piece based on the clothes
2: here.
1: Like I think it, it would it would have to be right. You think so? Yeah, because cell know, phones so much... would
2: change it yeah. all. Yeah, and there's
1: so much stuff about like tabloids, like tabloid media, which that's doesn't true. really exist anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I I guess in terms of thinking of it as a COVID. Movie seeing something set in the past. And, you know, not that like a pandemic existed then, but that like these things are, have been around, and always will be around. Like there's something powerful about that, too. So to, to conclude, I, I think I would recommend anyone read the book before. Like we don't know how different the movie is going to be. I would be very interested to talk to someone who sees the movie and doesn't read the book. But, you know, it's a, a great work of American literature that I think holds up and is worthwhile in a way that even I probably wrongly was not expecting. You guys
2: agree, yes, read the book, <laughs>
1: yeah I, I think largely, I do think like some of the like consumerism stuff feels a little a little dated in like and like a little eighties, and you know I get like kind of like an American psycho vibe from it, and uh although this is much a much more pleasant book to read than American psycho, <laughs> um American Psycho made a great movie, yeah,
0: see. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to, like, go back and be like, oh, like, we were worried about all this stuff going wrong back then. Like, it is in some ways the same, but then television's good now. Well, and it just feels
1: like the world is the the world that he was making fun of, too. And so it's kind of of (laughs) harder to, like, put targets on these sorts of things when, like, influencers are everything that he's kind of warning about.
0: Yeah. No, we were born into this, so we have no way of seeing uh, what's wrong with any of it. Just... Recite TV jingles to yourself all day and (laughs) you'll be fine. (laughs) Um, Well, you can buy White Noise, check it out from your local library, and then look for the movie at the Venice Film Festival in a few weeks and then on Netflix later this year. They haven't told us when, right, Rebecca? It's just going to be on the horizon. It'll be an airborne movie event. That does it for today's book club slash interview episode. We'll be back on Thursday with our roundtable conversation about all things festival season and all the rest. In the meantime, find us on Twitter at Little Gold Men. And on our own, I'm at Katie Rich and Rebecca. Becca M. Ford and Hillary. Hillibuster. Our editor and producer is Brett Fuchs. And this week's award for what we parents are absolutely not saying as summer vacation nears its end goes to me. I got sick of that kid fast.